You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you've downloaded the Savage Love Podcast, the once-a-week out-loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. Feel free to call with your questions, or you can just call and yell at me for occasionally recording a podcast with a hangover, which I swear to God, I promise you guys, is going to happen again sometime. That's just the way it is. All right, let's get to the calls. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a male in my late 20s, and uh, I'm about to get married to a, a really wonderful girl with whom I get along really well and have terrific sex. Um, in my relatively brief window of single life before her, uh, I had a I had a great run I, I made of the sexy time with all manner of girls, boys, trees, and rocks. Uh, I feel pretty satisfied and, and really ready to move on to the next stage of life. But uh, I've been thinking back to a lot of those times lately, and there is this one sexual experience I continue to feel uh, very guilty about, and I wanted to tell you about it so that you could tell me if I deserve to feel guilty about it or not. So, uh, a few years ago, I reconnected with a girl who I had, like, uh, quote-unquote, dated in seventh grade, and she had blossomed into quite the brick house. Uh, so, on a totally casual basis, we embarked on this just week-long marathon of the most awesomely depraved sex acts, and we had a, a great old time together before she uh, she left to go back to the West Coast, where she, uh, where she lives now, and she just left me sitting in my house with my cock like glowing and humming like a spent nuclear fuel rod. Uh, it was terrific. But uh, here's the bad part. Uh, we grew up together in the same small town, and the word on the street was always that there was some pretty ugly like sexual abuse going on in her house coming from her father and I believe maybe her brothers. And uh, this led me to tread really cautiously, and I really only went places with her sexually after she you know, led me there. Uh, she was into violence, and uh, she asked me to smack her around while we fought, which I did, you know, carefully and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, we communicated really openly about our desires, and I really just tried to, to, to satisfy her along the, the lines that, you know, we, we, we laid out. Um, until about day four or day five, uh, when she told me that she wanted me to kind of, like, ram my dick down her throat and then come all over her and then throw her naked out the front door of my house like a puppy who had just soiled the carpet. Um, I'm kind of into violence. I'm, I'm totally into, you know, dude power dynamics and stuff like that, but I'm not into humiliation. And I said no. Um, but she kept bringing it up, and then on the last night she got upset, and I tried to explain that I just didn't want to cross that line. Um, and eventually we ended up just, uh, just like, fucking, like, perverted gladiators, and it was awesome, and, and, and that was it. Part of why I didn't want to do this thing to her was because I knew, uh, well, I mean, I figured that her desire to have this done to her uh, originated possibly in some serious trauma or, or pathology, and I didn't want to exacerbate that. But then again, just because one's desires sprout from a dark place uh, doesn't mean that you don't still have the right to have those desires be fulfilled. So I find myself really wishing I'd just done what this girl wanted, and I feel kind of like a jerk, uh, and it haunts me a little bit. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Thanks. Okay, we're going to give you a call, actually. Let's get you on the phone. Hey, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? 
I'm fine. You're freaking awesome. Oh, you're freaking awesome, too, because you're a perfect example of uh, the kind of person that a lot of people don't know exist, or, or the type of person that people assume doesn't exist. You're into sexual violence, you're a sexually dominant guy, you get off smacking girls around, and you are the most considerate, thoughtful, self-torturing, a little too precious, uh, racked by self-doubt uh, dude on the planet. Wow, isn't that nice? It sounds like you're super ethical about the uh, moments you get into uh, violent sex, yeah? Uh, I try to be. sounds like you're too ethical about it, almost. Well, you know, at the same time, though, I was wondering if maybe, maybe the guilt that I was feeling over not doing what she wanted me to do was actually uh, kind of uh, in response to me uh, doing anything at all with her. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I, I kind of, you know, the thing is, is that, like, I didn't know this girl terribly well, um, and... Uh, and you were making all sorts of assumptions about her indeed, sexual history, because yeah, exactly. it's like, all you said was there were rumors around about sexual abuse that may or may not have been true, and you say at one point, I knew, and then you go, or figured that, you know, her desire to be, you know, throat-fucked, come on, and chucked out the door originated in some family history or pathology or trauma, and you didn't know any of that. And should, should had we embarked on a, on a serious relationship, I think we would have covered that. But given that it was what it was, I didn't really want to open that door. Yeah, but it's kind uh, of irrelevant. I mean, she's you, you know, it sounds like you were communicating. She was stating her needs wherever her desire. There's a lot of people who've been, you know, sexually violated or abused whose erotic imaginations incorporate that abuse. Once they get on top of it, it's almost a way for them to control it by reenacting it in circumstances where they're in charge, even if it looks like they're not for the moment. It's a way of purging it, you know? And you have yeah. to know that. You're too, you're too thoughtful and articulate about this crap not to know that. Indeed. So yeah, I, I feel like you're you kind of... You're cooler than me, so... What? You're cooler than me, though, so I needed to hear from you. <laughs> uh, I'm not that cool, actually. Um, you're pretty, pretty freaking awesome. But it, it feels like, you know, the problem you had here was, uh, you know, you didn't want to do it because you're not into public humiliation, you say. Uh, and, and I think that was what the real issue. She was asking you to do something that didn't turn you on. You just should have said that. Like, I'm not comfortable with that. That doesn't turn me on. That doesn't work for me. But then you couldn't just say that. You had to, like, make it about concern for her, yeah. which is kind of misplaced because she's being very articulate about her needs and wants and desires, and you don't know where they came from, and you're just making assumptions. But let's just assume for a second that I did know where they came from. What would I? What would well, have been the correct course of action? Any, any. If she was slapped around, ejaculated on, and thrown out the doors by her brothers and father, I think you can assume her brothers and father also slapped her around, which she seemed comfortable doing. So it seems a weird moment to draw a line in the sand and say, "I will go no further." <laughs> uh, good point. Because you know what you actually, you know, you were doing lots of things that, for all you knew, had happened to her in situations that were non-consensual and traumatic. You know, the reason you didn't want to do this thing was it didn't turn you on, but you pointed to her presumed history of sexual abuse to justify your own not wanting to. Lack of balls? Not, not lack of balls. You just didn't want to. And that's legit. You should have just said that. You know? Right. And it didn't, doesn't sound like, you know, it sounds like that is just what you said. That is what I said. What but I don't understand, you know, you're marrying some other uh, woman who I hope gets off on a little bit of this so that you get to enjoy your sexuality with your partner and it's not about retiring all your pleasures while you, when you get married because it shouldn't be about that. But, you know, I, I'm interested to know, and the reason I called is, why are you on the rack about this all these years later? Uh, well, mostly I have really happy memories of that time of my life, and I hope I communicated that. 
uh, in my call. Well, you did, but but, but, but why, why my, do you feel like you need to get absolution for this before you run off and marry the woman you're with now? I don't feel that I need absolution for it in order to get married. It's more just that I think as one is wont to do, I've been doing a lot of reflecting uh-huh. lately on my, my illustrious single career. Uh, and that was one that just kind of stuck with me because it's, it's odd how it's a, it's, a, it's a memory that I have so many positive feelings about, but also some kind of negative ones. Have you ever uh, talked to this woman again? That's the problem is that, like, she disappeared, and I've never been able to talk to her since. And that's maybe why it haunts me a little bit more. Because I don't, you know, I have never, I mean, other than people that I've slept with just once, there's never been someone that I slept with multiple times or that I knew who I hadn't kept in touch with, at least somewhat afterwards. Uh-huh. And she's just off the face of the earth. And, I, you know. Okay, well, I'm going I'm to tell you two more things. You can't control what happened to her or where she is, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. And it sounds like you guys, you know, were having rough sex, but you were doing all the right things, and you were communicating every step of the way, and she was enjoying it and coming back and coming back. You know, you can't – there are people who have vanilla sex because they're acting out of uh, weird pathologies. You know, there are people who have ill-advised, perfectly vanilla missionary position intercourse for all the wrong reasons. Some of people have that kind of sex with the person they're married to for 50 fucking years for all the wrong reasons. And it's totally about a trauma from when they were a kid. But, you know, nobody looks at that and goes, oh, my God, there must be trauma. Because look at, you know, he's on top of her um, in the missionary position. And they're married. Oh, my God, the trauma that that represents. Nobody does that. But you need to, like, let that go. Right? You also need to accept, you know, one thing people generally need to accept is sometimes – you know, we look back over our sexual histories, and things stick out, and you go, I'm a little uncomfortable with what I did, how I behaved, how that unfolded, what I don't know about you know, how that person feels about that sex all these years later. And that's actually good. You know, Maybe you don't want to forgive yourself or, or, or put it to rest or stop feeling guilty, because it's those sorts of moments where you think, hey, maybe that wasn't totally okay, that often those thoughts make you a better, more considerate, more careful about consent and healthy approaches to sex, whatever it looks like, missionary or rough and wild, uh, in the future. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. That our past is with us and we go, you know, you probably wouldn't want that to happen again. You wouldn't want to have these feelings again with another partner. So you may check in more. Like, it sounds like the only way you could have, you know, avoided having these qualms all these years later is to have had a really direct conversation with this woman about her, what you thought you knew about her sexual abuse history. Where you said, you know, I'm, I dig this sex, you dig this sex, but man, you know, it just eats away at me a little bit that I, you know, when we were growing up in the neighborhood, I heard this stuff about your family. And, you know, A, is it true? And B, you know, are you cool with this? Are you, you know, how did you process it where you got to a place where you're clearly this healthy now about rough sex? And then you wouldn't be feeling this way. So clearly, what you need to take into the future from these, this qualm about this one encounter, the series of encounters over a week, is. The next time in the future, if you have these sorts of feelings like, oh, I wonder what's going on with that person really, that you throw that out there rather than live with the guilt all your life. Thank you, Dan. Do you beat up your wife to be? <laughs> uh, I, I mean that in the sex-positive, rough sex, sex positive, uh, positive perfectly way. consensual, uh, fun for everybody way. She's, she's exp- I, she, I did not express interest in it to her initially, and she has expressed some interest in it, uh, but we haven't quite tried it yet. Um, it's not something that, that's kind of essential to my, my sexuality. In fact, it's just it's something that is quite an accessory. Um, I'm really not always into that kind of thing, but I think we'll, we'll get there. we got yeah. you know, a lot of years to do it. So. <laughs> well, keep us posted. Sure. Oh, I'll, I'll send you a postcard. Okay, talk to you later. Thank you, Dan. Bye. Bye.
Hey, Dan. I just listened to the April 10th podcast. That's this week's podcast. And I just wanted to say, not cool. Um, I thought you were being unnecessarily cruel to that girl. I understand maybe it was a little bit obnoxious of her to phone in, you know, with eight gazillion times with very very much, pretty much the same, you know, uh, kind of thing to say that you were freaking awesome or whatever. And I understand, you know, maybe you're hungover and a little bit irritable, but I just cringe to think of how humiliated she must be to have to listen to that and to have it publicly on the internet. I'm sure anyone who knows her would I be able be able to identify her voice. And I just think of, you know, years from now, she will, uh, people will continue to make fun of her for it, and she must be really, really, up, you know, really, really upset. I would be if um, something like that made it onto the internet. And I, I just wonder why you would do something like that. Um, I mean, she's obviously a big fan of yours, and she was genuinely excited about your podcast and your column. And she, and she took it a little bit too far, but she was just, you know, expressing enthusiasm. And, you know, she's young, and everybody's a little bit annoying when they're young, and I don't think that's a call for... Uh, that gives you an excuse to be mean to her. It seems to me that you should only be purposefully mean to people who are purposefully mean to you. She was maybe a little bit irritating to you, but, you know, it didn't kill you to listen to her. You know, maybe you had a bit of a headache, but, you know, that's not her fault. Um, So I just, I, I thought you definitely took it way too far, especially you called her shrill, and made fun of her in public. I mean, I I was sort of flabbergasted at this because here all she is is she's excited, wants to be on your podcast. I think possibly she may already have been. It seems like this is the same caller, I think, who called in a few podcasts ago. I don't remember when. All right, why would I do something like that to poor defenseless shrill girl? Well, because I'm an asshole. And everybody who reads my column knows that I'm an asshole. And the only way anyone can find out about my podcast is through my column. So if you find your way to the podcast, find your way to the phone number, record a question for me, you know that sometimes I'm, like, annoyed and I say assholey things. It's part of what people love about me. It's part of what people think is so awesome about me is I sometimes say that, you know, they're assholes when they're being assholes. And clearly this, you know, shrill girl was being kind of an asshole. She called multiple times, pretended to be multiple different people, recorded lots of different questions. Um, and, you know, that's sort of an abuse of my inbox. And I just sort of abused her back because I was feeling grumpy and hung over. And that's just kind of, as the kids were saying until very recently, that's just the way we roll here at the Savage Love Podcast. And if you can't fucking deal, don't listen. And if you don't want to be publicly you know, risk a little public mockery, a little anonymous public mockery. Hopefully this girl, like 20 years in the future, isn't going to sound like this anymore. Nobody sounds at 25 the way they sounded at 17 or 15. They they grow up and they they, they become a little less real, except for you, of course, caller. You know, she won't sound like this forever. And then, you know, won't haunt her. It's totally anonymous. Like, shut up. Fuck you. Go away. You gave me a headache. And see, now I'm being mean to you, which is just my way of proving that I am just as much of an asshole as you thought I was. So if you don't want advice from assholes and you don't want the asshole podcast, nobody forces you to read my column. Nobody forces you to send me a letter. Nobody forces you to call in with a question and nobody forces you to download this bullshit. So fuck off. Uh, hi, 
Dan, I have a sort of a general question. Under what circumstances should you uh, talk to a friend of yours if you dislike or are worried about their relationship or if you don't like their current boyfriend or girlfriend? I ask because it seems to me that there's a difference between having someone having a uh, a significant other who you just don't like or who you think is boring and someone who you think is dangerous to uh to your friend i i guess i'm wondering at what point is it appropriate to divulge that sort of opinion just as a general rule of thumb i realize every case is different you know the circumstance under which it's not okay to run up to somebody and say you know, I think your partner's a creep or your boyfriend's a creep or your girlfriend is a creep is uh, when they haven't been dating very long or, you know, you haven't been around the person that long because you really do have to look inside and say, you know, anytime we have a close friend we spend a lot of time with and that person gets a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they get start to get serious, it's kind of a threat, to, you know, to your access to your friend, your ability to see your friend, your primacy in your friend's life. So you really need to look inside and say, no, am I just being jealous and therefore, you know, and I'm a little angry and so I'm not letting my see this person's letting myself see this person's virtues or is there something there? And then, you know, if there's something there, like the person's a jerk, there, there's two things you have to ask yourself. You know, is the person, you know, as you said, boring or dangerous? It's fine for the person to be boring. It's also fine to tell your friend that, you know, to say something like, I don't see what you see in him or her. So long as you say it in a way where you're trying to elicit a response beyond defensiveness, we're just like, you know what, your boyfriend, what do you see in him? Tell me about him. Like, what do you see that I'm not seeing so that I can see it? You know, if I'm going to have to hang out with this person, too, because I like you and I'm going to see him through you through, you know, as a part of our relationship, then, you know, I want to, you know, see his virtues because right now I'm not seeing him. You can totally say that. You should be able to say that to a friend. Uh, so long as you're not a dick about it, so long as what you're not saying is I'm angry that you're spending time with your new boyfriend and not with me, and so I'm going to be a dick and a, a prick about it. Uh, but if somebody's dangerous, if there are abuse red flags going up or controlling behavior or stalking behavior or anything that makes you fear for your friend's safety, as you said, you have an absolute ironclad duty to speak up instantly, right away. The, the longer someone's with somebody who engages in sort of abusive uh, behavior or grooming around being an abuser, the, the, the harder it's going to be for that person to extract themselves from that relationship and the likelier the relationship is to end up in violence uh, when the person being abused attempts to end it. So really, your job as a friend, if you think there's red flags going up for abuse, your job is to speak up instantly, right away, no uh, pull no punches. And, and tell your friend what you think is going on and why it's fucked up because maybe they don't see it or maybe the abuser's already instilling enough doubt, self-doubt in, in the person that they're grooming to be an abuse victim to, to think it's them that's the problem oh, and not, you know, the abuser that's the problem. Hey, Dan, I'm a 21-year-old straight male and uh, I just started seeing someone new and I'm really excited about it, someone I feel very strongly about. But uh, it's someone who's pretty inexperienced uh, sexually, and uh, while she's totally willing to explore her sexuality with me, and I'm happy to be someone who helps her do that, I'm finding myself um, kind of uncomfortable and kind of clueless about my discomfort on a couple levels, so I was hoping to get your take on it. First of all, I'm, it's that I'm not sure what makes me uncomfortable, and um, maybe you could 
shed some light on that. I don't know in situations where you've encountered people who are the more experienced of the of the relationship they're in. Some typical reasons maybe why they feel uh, sexually awkward around their less experienced partners, rather than it being vice versa, which would seem like the more logical thing. And also uh, wondering if you have any suggestions, given what usually makes people like myself uncomfortable, on ways to approach that. Oh my God, what a pussy you are. I mean, uh, oh my God, you're so sensitive uh, and considerate. You know, taking on newbies, why would you feel uncomfortable being the more experienced partner? There's only two things that could possibly be going on uh, in the whole freaking universe, because I know everything. Um, A, you're a straight guy and 21 years old and messing around with girls who are a little uh, less experienced, which I assume means you're messing around with girls often who are younger than you are, which means they may be very young. Uh, And there's, you know, the cliche, and it's a cliche because it's true, that, you know, if you're someone's first, that they're going to become emotionally attached uh, to you. They're going to fall in love with you. And so you may be fearing that sort of intimacy, fearing that sort of emotional entanglement. You just want to be casual and mess around. But if she's not very experienced or if she's a virgin, then she's going to want to, you know, get married and have your babies and is falling in love because yours is the first dick she's ever held in her mouth. That could be going on. That's a reasonable fear. So if you're not ready for a relationship or, you know, if you don't want to risk anybody that you're messing around with actually becoming attached, then don't mess around with terribly inexperienced people because the odds of that person becoming attached or falling in love are higher than somebody who's more experienced. Uh, The other thing that's going on uh, sometimes when people have more experience, particularly women, when they have more experience in their male partners, straights, is is a fear of being judged that the person who is less experienced may look at you and all of your you know whiz bang technique that you picked up in the brothels of Thailand and think wow even though they're enjoying messing around with you they're thinking wow what a slut uh, so it's either one of those two things caller uh, either fear being judged or you fear uh, the girl falling in love with you I'm not sure what you're going to do with that advice it sounds like you're pretty content to run out there and bang virgins. Uh, regardless, uh, and you know, it's a dirty job. Somebody has to do it. Just remember the campsite rule of uh, messing around with people who are less experienced or younger than you are or significantly younger than you are. Uh, you know, can, can, you, can you ethically mess around with somebody who's much younger than you are, who's legal, of legal age? Can you ethically you know, mess around with someone who's a virgin? Yes. What you have to do is, what they say about campsites, you have to leave them in better shape than you found them. That makes you a good camper and a good hiker. You left the campsite in better shape than you found it. You picked up all your shit. You cleaned up. When it comes to sex partners, particularly younger ones, if you'd make the effort to leave them in better shape than you found them, you're a good guy. You didn't get them pregnant. You didn't lie to them. You didn't tell them. You didn't make them think that maybe you were falling in love with them too so you could keep having access to them and toy with their emotions. You didn't give them any diseases. You didn't give them any complexes. Uh, You didn't shit talk them to your friends if you have friends in common uh that sort of thing if you you know give them some good experience pass on some of your technique from the brothels of thailand uh and they leave the relationship uh even if you know the parting is a little bumpy they leave the relationship with fond memories new skills and uh fond remembrances of you then you're totally ethical dude hi dan i love your show and your work i think you do great stuff um, and that's why I'm calling to tell you about one thing I don't like that you do, and, and I hope you'll consider changing. It's when you are criticizing someone, often very rightfully so, and you instead of telling them to muster up some courage or to, I don't know, I, we have to figure out a better way of saying this, you say, stop being such a pussy. 
And, I mean, pussies are this large network of really strong muscles. They can clench dicks. They can push push out babies. They are very strong. Telling someone to not be a pussy is telling them not to be strong, powerful, in charge, life-giving. You know, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So I think it's a confused criticism, and I dare you to come up with something better than calling someone a pussy. Or start calling them a pussy when you want them to be courageous. Say, be a pussy, be strong, get it on. I don't think I've ever used the word pussy in the way that you described. I've never called anyone a pussy, meaning that they were kind of being wimpish. I've always embraced pussy, figuratively. Uh, Pussy's a strong, powerful, in-charge and life-giving, you know. I challenge you, in fact, to find a single example anywhere where I've used the word pussy in the way that you've described. Hey there, Dan. I have a question about uh, sex with my girlfriend. Uh, she is on Prozac, and she's also on birth control. If she's off the Prozac, it's not such a good thing. You know, she'll freak out sometimes. She'll cry sometimes. I love the girl. I'm going to marry her someday, but, you know, even she's not sure if she wants to get off it or not. The problem is is that when she's on both of those drugs, um, her libido's in the toilet uh, most of the time. Uh, You know, we've tried a lot of different little things, some very big things, uh, some things out of our comfort zone uh, to basically try and get her off, and it doesn't usually work. and, you know, it's just really hard for her. And we've wondered, you know, is there anything that we can do other than get her off the drugs? Uh, I have problems with condoms, not because I'm like, oh, God, you know, condoms suck. You know, I won't screw with condoms, nothing like that. But I just don't have the sensitivity to come myself using condoms. So it doesn't really work for me. And, uh, you know, we don't want her to get pregnant and, you know, we kind of like to wait and it's just all very hard to deal with. I don't really know what to do. Okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you to not be such a pussy. No, I need you to be a pussy, to be strong and to be aggressive and to just fucking clench and clamp down on this problem. Um, what you need to do is your girlfriend needs to talk to her doctor. If she's got Prozac, someone's prescribing it to her. She needs to talk to her doctor about the effect Prozac is having on her. It's great that, you know, she's better on the drug and you support her being on the drug. There are other drugs. There's other antidepressants. You can adjust them. She should experiment with other antidepressants uh, and see if there's one that gives her the benefits without the drag on her libido. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is there's a combo of the birth control bills, which also in some women uh, are a drag on libido, being deadly in combination with the Prozac and just killing her libido. Uh, and you don't like condoms. So what can you do? I need you to just be a fucking pussy about it. Stop whining about condoms. And I'm not going to say and use them because some men do have sensitivity issues. And that's totally legit. It's totally legit. Uh, and, and, you know, you can own that. And not every guy who doesn't isn't able to get off using condoms is a lying sack of shit who's just being selfish about his own pleasure, although some are. Um, what I need you to do is look into the female condom, uh, which to be gross about it, and I've used them with guys, and I've called them this with guys, so it's not some sort of horrible 
misogynist joke. Uh, they're a little bit like trash can liners, whatever orifice they're in, butts or, 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 or vaginas. Um, and it, you insert it and then you fuck it. It stays put and it's big and it's baggier. Um, and so there's nothing on your dick. And the problems with condoms and sensitivity is that sometimes condoms, you know, they're tight on the penis. They grip the penis. And then the penis doesn't feel anything as it moves in and out. And some guys need that sensation. And all they're getting is like sort of stationary latex moving around. They're not feeling it. It's not moving against the, you know, the skin on the head of their penis. It's not stimulating their nerve endings. It sort of cut it off from everything. Many guys find that with the polyurethane female condom, the trash can liner, that they can have those sensations. They still have those sensations. Their penis is moving against something again. Uh, it's moving against the trash can liner, uh, but the sensations are back when they use the female condom. So I need you to be a pussy. I need you to talk to the girlfriend about going to her doctor and being strong, being a pussy in there when she sees her doctor and talk to her doctor about other medications and be, just be a pussy about her sexual needs and not be a chicken shit about... Uh, you know, not be a fairy about, uh, you know, feeling shy, talking about her sex life with her doctor and the impact the meds are having on her sex life. You know, some people feel like, oh, the meds are helping me be happy and I shouldn't go in there and complain about them destroying my sex life as if sex life isn't part of what you're trying to leverage into your life to make you happy. Like, it's totally legit to complain to go to your doctor about your meds. It might be working in other areas and say, you know, it's not working here. So she needs to be a pussy about it. Strong. Confront her doctor about that prescription. You need to be a pussy about trying female condoms and really giving them a shot. Be a pussy about it. Man up. I, I warned you all that I'm an asshole, right? I think we've totally emphasized that I'm a dick. There, there's a word that gets thrown around with negative connotations. You don't hear men complaining about that. I guess because sometimes it's good to be a dick. But sometimes it's good to be a pussy in the like soft, compliant, easily pushed around sense. There's times when I'm a pussy. And uh, I- I'd hate to lose that word. Um, but but I'm actually into the word now that it means strong, and that's why I'm going to urge all my listeners and readers from here on out just to get out there and be the pussies that I know that you are. All of you. You're all pussies. Thank you for listening. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. I'm Dan Savage. This was a Savage Love Podcast. You download this every week at www.thestranger.com slash Savage. I also blog every day almost at thestranger.com slash blog. And uh, keep those calls and complaints coming. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new podcast.